This program is brought to you by PersonalLifeMedia.com. Hi, and welcome to Green Talk, a podcast series from GreenLivingIdeas.com. Green Talk helps listeners in their efforts to lead more eco-friendly lifestyles through interviews with top vendors, authors, and experts from around the world. We discuss the critical issues facing the global environment today, as well as the technologies, products, and practices that you can employ to go greener in every area of your life. Hey everyone, this is Sean Daly. Welcome to Green Talk Radio. On a recent episode of Green Talk Radio, I interviewed Richard Bird of Bird Development, who co-stars on Planet Green's TV series Alter Eco as the show's featured building expert alongside his real-life friend Adrian Grenier of HBO's Entourage fame, where the two set out to build an eco-luxury home together. Once thought to be an oxymoron by many, green luxury home building has taken off, and many luxury-class homeowners and builders are now looking into eco-friendly alternatives for their home designs. My guest on today's program is Tom Shea. Tom is the president of Minimal Productions, online at minimalproductions.com, a Venice, California-based builder of green homes in the luxury home market segment. In addition to environmentally conscious features, homes designed and built by the company are characterized by clean, minimalist designs and seamless indoor-outdoor living features. A practicing attorney for 20 years, Shea is now a leading green home developer in Southern California and the author of an upcoming book on fun ways to green up your life. Tom, welcome to the program. Hey, how are you? Oh, I've had better days, but you know, we've had some technical glitches here, so we'll get through it. But I want to talk about you, though. So it's quite a character arc and a career arc you've been through, going from an attorney to a green builder and an environmental book author. I'm curious, what precipitated each of those changes in your life, and how did you get from going from being an attorney to where you are today building green luxury homes? Well, fortunately or unfortunately, once you're an attorney, you're always an attorney. And uh, considering the uh, economic circumstances in California and most of the United States right now, it's uh, probably more prudent to be uh, involved in the legal business than in building homes. (laughs) But um, quite clearly, one of the questions I I frequently get is, like, why did I move to California uh, from Detroit? And I kind of tongue-in-cheek say, and that question is, what's that question again? (laughs) Um, Not that there's anything wrong with Detroit, but California is so beautiful in Los Angeles is such an enormous change for somebody who grew up in the Midwest that uh, if you're somewhat of a health nut or exercise nut or just somebody who appreciates beauty, you come out to the west coast of California and go, oh, my God. And um, that's what happened to me. I'm originally from Philadelphia, if that tells you anything. <laughs> so I, well, you can relate. You I know can, what I'm saying? Yeah, definitely. How, how, about not, uh, how about not getting out of your, stepping out of your house in uh, mid-January and slipping down the front three steps because of a, a couple of inches of ice left there the night before. I will never miss uh, shoveling snow or chipping ice in my life. I can safely say that. Yeah, I think snow is is best meant to uh, travel to when you so desire to instead of having it travel to you. Yes, exactly. Well, we're very fortunate in California to have these, uh, you know, we can visit snow, you know, a few hours away and then come back from it. So we can visit winter and then conveniently come back when, when we're done. But I think that one of the one of the things that happened in my life, really, really honestly and, and very deeply felt, was uh, my appreciation of just how beautiful this country was. And then just, I, and I've traveled all over the world, so I've, I've seen many, many, many other beautiful places. 
but when you visit someplace or when you live, your appreciation grows in a kind of an, in a different arc. And, um, you know, I moved to the west side of Los Angeles and uh, would get up in the morning and run down to the ocean and uh, or bike. Did a bunch of triathlons where I was in the ocean. And your appreciation of just the mundaneness that is just amazingly beautiful and surrounds you day in and day out is exponentially different living here than visiting here or visiting other beautiful places that have just as much splendor, natural splendor. And so... Um, I think coming out here later in my life was um, the thing that changed my life, to be honest with you. Now, how has that affected your career as a real estate developer? You know, it's the most mundane, silly things that sometimes make huge differences in your life. I'm a big fan of Bill Mars. I was already building homes. I had done some interesting kind of, you know, minimal, uh, environmentally kind of advanced homes when I lived in Michigan. I was uh, partnered up with somebody in, in Los Angeles uh, because my legal business involves a tremendous amount of travel and it was taking a toll on me personally and uh, wanted to get into the building business and was building these homes. And uh, going back to the Bill Maher thing, I'm literally watching Bill Maher uh, when he's on HBO one night and Ian McClellan, you know, an English actor, mm-hmm. is talking to Bill Maher on the set and he's talking to him about how he just installed, and I quote him, solar tiles on his roof. And Mar goes, yeah, but it's London. I mean, like, you know, it rains all the time. It's <laughs> right. cloudy. Right. And, and uh, McClellan's answer back was, well, it's interesting. We actually produce enough electricity that we sell it back to the grid. Um, and I thought, my God, if you do that in London, I cannot possibly be responsible for putting up another home in Southern California where it seems to me like it's sunny 300, 320 days of the year and not do the same, at a bare minimum, do the same thing. And like any anal retentive person, um, we decided to, you know, start with solar, but then it was just an endless array of jumping in further and further and further and putting in and installing more sustainable and environmental features in every house that we built. Now, was this a particular home project, either for yourself or for a client, that, that sort of started this off for you? I think when I saw the show, I may have had four of them under construction. Um, I gained a lot of notoriety both nationally and certainly here in California, and interestingly enough with the Internet, um, internationally. I mean, I've been in, in, interviewed in French magazines, Yugoslavian magazines and newspapers, because I built... Um, a very high visibility project here in Southern California called Project 710, which was the first conventionally built, from the ground up, lead platinum home in the state of California. And I, I did it in a way that wasn't just a build, let's build a really cool greenhouse, put it up for sale, but we used it as an educational tool with a lot of celebrity bling bling associated with it. And, um, and donated some of the proceeds to a children's health environmental organization. And so we wanted to use that house as a vehicle um, to get the message out that a lot of things are possible right now. And um, that house was completed, um, I think it's September of 2007. Now, do you think that these sort of top-tier home-building projects that involve eco-luxury homes and 
is it sort of in a vacuum or do these things sort of spill over and have resonance to other segments of the, the green building market? You know, we're in a really changing time, you know, in so many different ways. Um, Kohler is a, is a big partner of mine and I think Kohler is really representative of, um, a very direct answer to your question. A huge downturn. I mean, Kohler was very involved in new home construction, which has basically come to a grinding halt here in the United States. Mm-hmm. Certainly very involved in people doing home renovations um, and just, you know, material upkeep, uh, normal upkeep in their homes. And certainly they've had a huge, you know, decline in, in national sales here in the United States. Luckily, they're an international company, but they've been affected all over the world by what's going on, you know, with the economic situation. But I think that this is a company that's taken a look at what's going on, and I'm not quite sure they're not really happy with it, but they've also looked at it as an opportunity to retool their company. And uh, I don't want to sit here and show for Kohler, but I think it's it's directly relates to your question. And I think at the end of the day, when we come out of this mess, Kohler, as an example, and a lot of other companies are taking the same tactic, have taken this opportunity to kind of retool. And literally every single faucet that they and every toilet that they have on the marketplace in the next couple of years will be a, a water sense approved functioning toilet or faucet or bathtub. Um, and so what once was kind of edgy and new and, and uh, on the peripheral I think is fully but truly going to become just part of our main, you know, part of the mainframe network of products that are out in the marketplace. Yeah. And, and water conservation is certainly one of the more important environmental features that a home can have, or just in general right now with the environmental and, and humanitarian movements, you know, water use is, is really everything. It's the up and coming uh, hot issue. And so, and I would agree with you and I, you know, full disclaimer here, uh, that uh, Kohler is, is a sponsor on our, our website and also on the Blue Living Ideas site, but that is because we have found that they are, I mean, they're fully vetted. They're a company that we, they're, they're not greenwashers. They're really, in fact, we even use some of their materials as research for uh, a book, a, a book that we're writing um, on uh, water conservation. So they're, they're the real deal. And, and I, I would definitely agree with you. M- moving beyond uh, the Kohler uh, aspect and the water savings aspect, I'm curious about the most recent project that you have in Venice, which is the, known as the 737 Conserve, Conserve product Project. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, 737 is a, was a, a natural progression and follow-up to the platinum lead home we did. Okay, if you build a platinum lead home or if you, you are involved in a lead project, um, and I don't want to in any way denigrate you know, the United States Green Building Council, but you have a series of standards. You have bullet points. You have matrices that you've got to build in accordance with. And so, you know, you're building your own, you're building this project, and you have a checklist. And it may be, if you're platinum, it may be 120 things, um, from insulation issues to type of materials to the way you dispose of waste. And you are checked throughout the construction process to ensure that you are, you know, hitting these bullet points, that you're in compliance with these requirements. And that's great. And um, I think at the end of the day, uh, a lot of kind of the lead checklist is going to be adopted by a lot of cities around the country and slowly incorporated. 
piece by piece and what makes financial sense into their building codes. That's great, and that's what we did with seven, you know, with Project 710. 737 uh, was a natural progression, and it came about uh, as a follow-up by us sitting down, my team sitting down intellectually and saying, you know what, forget anybody else's standards. We now know what we're doing. You know, do, building a platinum lead home, huge educational process for anybody involved. Mm-hmm. And we got, you know, we were educated with it. But consulting other, other projects, building a lead home, at that point we kind of knew what the products were. And, and our focus on 737 was let's take it out environmentally as far as we can on the issues that resonate with me, with me, Tom Shea, being the builder and the owner of this place. Right. So I wasn't building it according to some other standard or some other bullet point or checklist. Um, many, many, many of the features in 737 um, are the same or exceed those as mandated under a platinum lead home. But 737, and I really think at the end of the day, the whole environmental movement, is going to be implemented more effectively when the people making the choices make the choices on the stuff that they think is important in their own lives rather than here's the list, comply with the list. And so 737 is reflective of that process. So that's really sort of the bottom rung, as it were, of just this minimal compliance standards, but really home builders and real estate developers like yourself, you know, to take that, incorporate it, and then even take it farther, and then hopefully even incorporate it into, you know, the the uh, the form side of this, not just the function. I think 737 is a great example of that. I mean, in many ways, a lot of the stuff that 737 does far exceeds any of those requirements of, uh, under a platinum lead program. I mean, we have got some incredibly cool technology in there. But then in some other senses, um, you know, the house is a little bit more bling-bling. It's a little bit less bare bones um, than the platinum lead home that we built because we were so concerned about getting hitting all those thresholds um, that we were using a lot more recycled products, uh, you know, recycled doesn't doesn't resonate with me that much. I don't know the whole carbon footprint when something goes from being used to being recycled, then it gets a component that's brought from another place and it's shipped to another place, and then it gets a label that says, you know, there's 15% post-consumer content in it. Well, I, I don't really know, and it doesn't resonate with me, that that's any greener than just using something that's got a high degree of durability and from a from a design perspective, maybe a cool element for 50 years that nobody will get tired of looking at. So it was those kind of decisions that kind of based where we went with 737. And for those of you listening in, uh, you can find out more information and see pictures of that project at 737conserve.com. Uh, so we are going to come right back. We're going to take a quick break here. And we are talking with Tom Shea, and he is a green real estate developer in Southern California, and we'll be right back on Green Talk Radio. Thanks, everyone. We're back on Green Talk Radio. This is Sean Daly talking today on green real estate development and luxury class eco-homes, talking with Tom Shea. He's the president of Minimal Productions, online at minimalproductions.com. Tom, we were talking before the break about the company, some of your recent projects. Um, I'm wondering about some of the other specific examples of uh, innovative environmental ideas that you've used around your various home projects, 710, 737, and so forth. 
Well, one of them, I, one, my, my, there's so many favorites with 737 because um, everything we did, we chose to do. So we did it because we thought it was the right thing to do. And I made those choices basically because I thought they were cool and they resonated with me. And, um, and I think I'll go over some of the really interesting ones. Um, I grew up in the Midwest. I grew up with attic fans. I don't know. I don't know. If, did you grow up with an attic fan in yep, Philadelphia? Yep. Okay. They're not that common out in California, but basically what they were in the Midwest when hot summer night before, uh, people could or put air conditioning in their homes that frequently, they had attic fans and an attic fan, you know, six o'clock in the afternoon, humidity's up, house would be hotter than all God knows. And, you know, my parents would turn on the attic fan and it would start sucking the hot air out of the, out of the roof and out the house, and that house would cool down substantially. So if we take that concept of an attic fan on steroids, um, we installed the 737 is a, is a contemporary house, very loft-like. A lot of the house has got two-story ceilings, a lot of windows. So it has the potential to, to gain a lot of solar heat during the day. Um, Lennox was a partner with us. They have the most incredibly high-efficiency air conditioning units um, that are made in the United States right now as part of this house. That's great. I never want to turn them on because the greenest way to use those air conditioning units would be to never use them, right? Right. Um, so we devised a system where we have a series of attic fans that typically they would, they would be controlled by a simple on-off switch. We put temperature sensors in that part of the house that were then connected to hidden thermostats um, and the attic fans are controlled by basically thermostats, and so they turn on when the house hits a certain temperature threshold. And the way that we've got it coordinated with the air conditioning units, you know, the air conditioning units also have temperature sensors and thermostats. But the attic fans turn on first. They suck the hot air out of the house before the air conditioner units turn on. And so if we really have this dance coordinated properly, the Attic fans will suck out the hot air of the, of the house, and the air conditioning units will very, very rarely turn on. And, of course, you know, the house is a solar-powered house, so, you know, the attic fans basically work totally because they're very high-efficiency fans off the solar panels. So it's like a zero use. Hmm. Um, I love that. People say, who makes that? And it was just like we sat down and said, well, why, instead of putting an on-off switch, let's put a thermostat as an on-off switch. Um, so that's, that was one thing that we, we kind of created ourselves. That's cool. Um, one of the other things that we did, um, when we, we, this house has a basement, it also has a pool and a, a pool is pretty bling bling. It's a lap pool. Um, it's an Olympic size, seven foot wide, 25 meter lap pool. Again, you know, you put you, when you put yourself out in the public with stuff like this, uh, we can get a lot of comments about a pool's not very green. You know, um, it evaporates water, it's a power user, all that kind of stuff. But I think we've got the greenest pool that's ever been built in the United States. When we dug out the basement of this house, we hit water. T- we hit a water table. We knew that we were hitting a water table, but the water was actually a couple feet higher than we thought. So we sent the water out, had it tested, and um, it's not good enough to drink, but it's certainly good enough to run through the pool filter system um, and fill up the pool. So we fill... We have pumps that pump the water out from underneath the ground that fill up the pool. We have incredibly high-efficiency pool pumps and pool heaters and things of that nature. We have a solar heater, um, solar heating panels for the pool water on top of the roof. 
and we also have a pool cover so that we don't lose any evaporation with the pool when we're not using it. And we don't have any heat loss at night when, during the day, the pool's circulating through the solar panels. And so through this conglomeration of stuff, uh, the pool's been in existence since November, and I've only put in water once since then. And the water I'm putting in is, wa- is underground natural water. We also use that water uh, to irrigate all of the drought-tolerant landscaping we have throughout the house. And so if you really think of it in its simplest terms, we're bringing water up from about 10 feet below the surface to the root systems of the plants that we're using. We're doing it infrequently because we've got water sensors and it's drought-tolerant planting anyway. And then the water just drops right back down to the water table. So we just bring it up 8 feet. It never leaves you know, it never leaves the surface of the earth. It's all subterranean. Hmm. I think that's pretty cool. Very cool. Cer- certainly not your average pool design. That, that's for sure. So what would be, I always like to ask guests on the program for tips for people that are in this case, home builders or even green home designers uh, that are out there. What, what would be your, what would be Tom Shea's top three or top five uh, products or concepts or features to use uh, with a home building project to really get the most bang for the buck? Well, from a, a macro instead of a micro, the macro is the world's a changing place. And these products, you know, look at when you're building green, you've got basically three concerns. You've got water conservation. I mean, you've got a lot more concerns, but the big ones are water conservation, energy conservation, a lack of toxicity, and then where do you get your materials from? You know, are you shipping them from halfway across the world or are you buying them locally? Those are if you if you start with that at the top of the list and as you're buying components as you're buying stuff for the house whether it's toilets light bulbs lighting fixtures uh windows and you start thinking of those items you know those those grand categories um as the world changes the efficiency of the products that they're putting out in the marketplace if you look and you do a little bit of homework I don't think you have to spend any more money to obtain stuff that qualifies as, yeah, that is energy efficient. It's a lot more energy efficient than other products are out there, and I really didn't, I didn't have to spend any more money. And so I, if you want specifics, we can go through specifics. But the bigger picture is, you know, if you ask the question as you're obtaining materials, if you, ask, if you know what questions to ask and you ask the questions, the process is a lot easier than people think it is. They think it's just an overwhelming process to go green, to go sustainable, to go environmental, and it really isn't, and it's not that complicated. Yeah, well, I think from the homeowner's perspective, it's really a knowledgeable, as it always is, a knowledgeable designer and or you know, home builder that can lead you through it or architect or whoever your, your, sort of your project lead is to, to tell you, I've done this, I've walked this road before, here are your choices, and, and that can be challenging in and of itself. Uh, although in the new market that we exist now, perhaps uh, those people are in greater abundance because uh, you know, there's a greater demand on, uh, I think, is really sort of having uh, that, those uh, arrows in your quiver, as it were. Um, right now, because it, to compete, because it's got to be a, it's a particularly competitive market, I imagine. I don't, you know, listen, I, we get calls from a lot of people about how do you do, how do you do, how do you do? And I'm the first guy in the world that's more than happy and ha- willing to give advice to people. But at the end of the day, you know, we, the Internet's out there, and this is a hot subject matter. This is not hard to Google and figure out on your own. 
And I'm not suggesting that everybody needs to become an expert, but the big picture stuff, I mean, you can ask, put the question in on Google. You're going to get more responses and more hits on stuff. And a couple of minutes spent on any subject matter, except for some, you know, crazy high tech, you know, technologically advanced issues. And the answers are there. And so, you know, it's, it's a lot less complicated than people think it is at the end of the day, especially if you understand at the end, you know, if you break down, as I just did in the last question, you know, you've got water conservation, you've got energy conservation, you want to keep toxins out of, the, out of your home, you know, because it's healthier for your kids, it's healthier environment to, you know, to wake up and go to sleep in every night, and you want to try and put as little as you can in a landfill, and you want to try and buy materials that are as local as you can. I mean, at the end of the day, that's going pretty green. Good advice. Well, my guest on today's program has been Tom Shea. He's the president of Minimal Productions, online at minimalproductions.com, a Venice, California builder and real estate developer of green homes in the luxury home market segment. In addition to environmentally conscious features, homes designed and built by the company are characterized by clean, minimalist designs and seamless indoor-outdoor living features. You can find out more about them also on their other sites, including 737conserve.com and project710.com. And I want to spell that. That's project spelled out, the number 7 and 10TEN.com. Tom, thank you so much for being with us today on Green Talk Radio. My pleasure. Thanks as always to everyone listening in today. Remember, for more free on-demand podcasts, articles, videos, and other information related to living a greener lifestyle, visit our website at www.greenlivingideas.com. We'd also love to hear your comments, feedback, and questions. Send us an email at editors at greenlivingideas.com. Find more great shows like this on personallifemedia.com.